When I was in college, I used to sit in these same uh, chairs, not literally. We used to meet at Common Grounds. We met uh, when Vertical was around. There was the Convention Center, Common Grounds, Softball Stadium, Track Stadium, all these different things. And when I was a freshman, the person who was the director, he wasn't technically the director. He was just the communicator. The primary communicator's name was Afshin Ziafat. And so, cool name, kind of, or... Maybe you don't think so. Anyways, uh, what you need to know is that uh, he was the first person uh, that, that started communicating at Vertical, and I was a student, and I was just, you know, I, I was amazed. I loved Vertical on Monday nights, and his story was really unique and, uh, in the sense that he grew up in a, in a Muslim home, which uh, would be kind of like the way we say Christian home. I don't know how it's you know, there's no such thing as like a home that's a Christian, but you know what I mean? Like his parents were Muslim and so he grew up in, in, uh, in Islam and one day a friend uh, invited him or uh, told him, shared the gospel with him. And he was like, nah, dude, it's wrong. And he, he set out to disprove it. And over time, he, he couldn't disprove that Jesus didn't count equality with man or with God, something to be grasped. So he came down to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the grave after three days, defeating death, sin, shame, guilt for all the sins of this world. And, and, and Afshin just could not, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't fight the truth. And his story is amazing. But if you know anything about Islam, there's a consequence if you choose to follow Jesus. And so uh, one of the consequences is, is what's called apostasy. In, in Islam, apostasy means uh, you abandon the faith of Islam. And the minimum uh, punishment would be, would be abandonment. Like your family would be like, all right, you're disowned. You're dead to us. And then it, that, that's the minimum punishment. But actually a majority of people would say that it's punishable by death. There are actually countries in this world that have executed people for leaving. And so Afshin has this incredible story of him coming to faith in Jesus, and everyone's like celebrating him, right? They're parading him around the country. I love Afshin. He's on our board of, of Vertical still to this day, but they're taking him around the country. He's speaking at all these different churches. His ministry is absolutely amazing. People are encouraging him to write books, all these different things, and we're just celebrating his surrender and the fact that he chose Jesus, and even though his family disowned him, it's just amazing. We all sit here and we're like, that's amazing. And some of you might know Afshin, but what you need to know is that we're all called to that same level of surrender. But most of us just love celebrating the guy that leaves his family because he grew up in a Muslim home. And we're like, man, that's amazing. Bring that guy next year. Let's keep hearing his story. When in reality, that's meant for all of us. And you might have grown up in a Christian home, but what I want you to know tonight is that at some point, you have to let go of something. It might not be your family, but what I'm going to show you tonight is that Jesus shows us that it's success, it's accomplishments, it's the things of this world. And if we want to follow him, we got to let go of those things. We have to live in surrender. That surrender that we celebrate in Afshin. That's the way we're all meant to live. And so if you have your Bibles with you tonight, we're going to be in Mark 10. We're going to be in verses 17 through 22. 
what you need to know is that Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. And uh, there's this guy who's going to run up to him, and they're going to have a conversation. That's what we're going to look at tonight. Mark 10, verse 17. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Totally valid question. Like we all at some point want to answer that question. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? If you have a Bible with you, I'd love for you to just underline the word I do. Not because of ring by spring, but because what this guy is saying is because, that's what some of you like went there real quick. Here's the deal. This guy's like begging Jesus. He's coming there and he's like, Jesus, what do I need to do? How do I inherit it? Which in short, one of the other gospels says, he gets on his knees. He says, what do I need to do to earn it? So what do I do? That's why you underline, I do. He thinks he's going to earn it. Let's keep going. Verse 18, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. What you need to know in the Greek here is that this word good is not like, he's not a good teacher in the sense that he's calling Jesus a good communicator. That's not it. It's, it's, he's saying you are, there's something inherently good. It's almost like a perfect You are divine. He's not calling him God, but he is acknowledging that he is something special kind of deal. He's not acknowledging his divinity, but in in some ways he is. He he just doesn't realize it. If that makes sense, it probably doesn't. Just continue tracking with me in verse 19. Just let it go over your head if you didn't catch that. So Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one's good except for God. Only God is perfect. Verse 19, Jesus continues saying, you know the commandments, if in order to... inherit eternal life you have to not murder not commit adultery not steal do not bear false witness do not defraud honor your father and your mother and this man that had fallen on his knees and asked him how to get in says to him teacher all of these things i have kept from my youth what you need to know right now is that what what he is doing is saying he's he's lived a great life And, and really what he's saying as well is that like hey since my bar mitzvah, I've been good, okay? I don't know if any of you grew up around Jewish people at age 13, you celebrate a bar mitzvah, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, since it was required of me to start living by the commandments, I have done that since it was required of me, since my youth. And the Greek word proves that it's bar mitzvah, so I didn't just make that up to be funny, okay? You write those in your notes, okay? These are good things. Let's keep going. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Disheartened by this, he went away sorrowful for this man had great possessions. In this, uh, in this account, in the gospel of Mark, he has great possessions. He's called rich. In, in, the, in the other gospels of Luke and Matthew, he, he's called young, And in another gospel, he's called a ruler. He's powerful. He's got it going on. That's why this, to many of us, is a familiar story called the rich young ruler. And so he has all of these things. That's what the synoptic gospels are telling us. And I think it's important because it's it's a story that's in all three of the gospels. This is important. Obviously, God is trying to tell us something uh, through this story, through the rich young ruler. And he's... uh, He's just this, he's this guy that's got it going on. 
That's what you need to know. And so we're going to talk about two things tonight. We're going to be in two parts. The first part, we're going to talk about success. And the second part, we're going to talk about surrender. And so uh, before we start talking about success, I want you to know that uh, this rich young ruler is probably uh, the guy that, that all of your parents would want you to date, ladies. Okay? I don't know what your parents are like. My, my mom, like, just hated the idea of dating. Uh, when I was in like middle school and high school, it was like sinful. I don't know if it was for y'all. Anybody? Nope. Okay. I was the only one that grew up sheltered. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Here's the deal. Like this would be the dude that if you were trying to date him in like eighth grade, you're like, mom and dad, can I, can I date this guy? They'd be like, no way, honey. You are way too young. And they're like, but it's, it's Johnny. It's the, it's the Johnny from the football team. He's the, you know, student body president. And he's, he's the one that's at church. He spoke, shared his testimony. He's that amazing one that shares the gospel with everyone. He just looks good on the outside. Also helps. Comes from money, mom. Like, mom and dad, that's amazing, right? Eighth grade, your parents would have been like, okay, we'll let this one slide. Like, this guy, we like Johnny, right? And so that's what the rich young ruler is. I don't know what he would look like today. Maybe like a, uh, one of my friends taught on this, and he said it'd be like Tim Tebow. Seriously, I... I don't know what, how you feel about Tim Tebow, but in the end, he's like, got it all going on. It appears that he has everything in this world that has to offer, but he's just, he's, he's still a good dude. Did you catch that? He's like, hey, I've obeyed all the commandments since my youth. I've got it going on. And so, like I said, we're going to start by talking about success and what I want us to see from this passage. The first thing I want us to see about success is that success will never satisfy Success will never satisfy. It's like chips and queso. You can never get enough. Or it's like registering at Baylor University. Registering for classes. You're just never going to get all the ones that you want unless you're an athlete. Okay? That's the deal. You know what, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, or you're in BIC or you're in some other special organization that's all just twisted. Doesn't make sense. I've lost all of you. <laughs> that was a good one. People were complaining about it today, so I wrote that down. Okay. Here we go. Success will never satisfy. Come back. The dude has it all. He has the car. He has the girl. He has the looks. He has the grades, the popularity, the athleticism, all these different things. And at the same time, he sees Jesus and he goes, what do I need to do? It's not enough. It's not enough. He's unsatisfied. If our life is dependent on our performance, we'll never find satisfaction. What I love about this passage as well is that this is talking about like good works in the sense of, or, or, it's talking about good things that you have, like blessings on the outside. He's got it all going on. But what I also love is that this guy is saying, hey, I've been good. These commandments, I've lived and obeyed. And what it's showing us is that this works-based religion, trying to work to earn God's love, trying to work to earn God's salvation, trying to uh, work to earn God's uh, just pleasure, all these things, like, so he can be pleased with you, what it's showing is that that produces insecurity. Because when will good be good enough? As Jesus said, no one is good but God alone. And so this is scary to me. This dude has it going on, and he's talking the talk, yet he's still unsatisfied. 
he kneels at Jesus' feet. Think about that. If, if you saw somebody kneeling, you'd be like, oh, they're, they're probably like, they probably are religious. And, and, and he calls them good teacher. That's acknowledging that he's, he's something special. He knows what to call Jesus. He's calling Jesus the right things. But it's showing us that just because we know the Christianese is what I like to call it, or the Christian lingo, it doesn't mean that we know Christ himself. Like, talking the talk doesn't really mean anything. Knowing godly lingo doesn't mean you know God. And so, when it comes to success, as I said earlier, success will never satisfy. I learned this in high school. Um, I know that you might not believe this, but I was pretty good at football once upon a time. Doesn't, judging by my looks, it might not, you know, that might not be your first guess. And so, uh, my senior year of high school, we have this game where if we win, we go to the playoffs. Texas high school football, this is a big deal, playoffs. And so, uh, I know, you know, playoffs are on the line, and so, uh, you know, I'm playing kind of the game of my life. I'm like, I score a touchdown, I think I, I think I had two touchdowns, 75-yard reception, you know, it's all good, it's, it's whatever. And so, uh, it was awesome, I'm feeling it, I'm putting the team on my back, okay, and so, all this is happening, fourth quarter gets, comes around, and I... Uh, you know, they're driving down the field. It's 14 to 7, so we really have to stop them. We need to get this stop. And what happens is uh, I, I get this interception, and it was like slow motion. I can see it like it was yesterday. I can just see myself. There's a picture of it, too, and I'm like, here, highest point, right, like exactly how you're coached. I pull it in on their side of the field, and I run towards our our sideline and our, our like stadium, all of our fans, I, oh my goodness, and I, I run out of bounds because I'm a baby, I don't like to get hit, and so I run out of bounds, and I like drop the ball or I throw it down, and I mean, I think I have made it, and I even think I point at somebody, I'm like, yeah, you, I don't know, <laughs> like, actually the dude I pointed at is in the back, and so you can ask him, I did actually point at him, and so, uh, I'm pointing at people. I'm like, look at me. I made it. We're going to the playoffs. You're welcome. Houston Christian High School Mustangs, like every other whatever team in the state of Texas is a Mustang. And so anyways, I come out. This is way too long of a story. I should shorten this. Uh, What happens? I come outside after the game, and I'm like, guys, I'm here. What's up? And like everyone, you know, praise me. Look at, like I'm here. Like I played the game of my life, and I'm like saying good game to all my, my teammates too. I'm not a total jerk. And, uh, and what, hap- what ends up happening is I finally get to the, like all, through all the families, and I finally get to my own. And uh, I'll never forget it. I, I walk up to my dad, and I'm like, Dad, wasn't that amazing? We're going to the playoffs. This is so cool. And he's like, why'd you drop that pass in the second quarter? I was like, did you see what I just did? And you're, are you serious? And he's like, and also that unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that you got in the fourth quarter. Like, what are you doing? You need to keep your mouth shut. And I was like, obviously I can't keep my mouth shut. You, you can see that. And what I learned in that moment is that success will never satisfy. And honestly, as an 18-year-old man, I went home after the game of my life and I bawled my eyes out. <laughs> Because you just, you can't ever be good enough for other people. 
it's just success will never satisfy. And so I don't say that to make you feel guilty. Honestly, I was really thankful that my dad taught me that lesson the wrong way, but that's okay. Let's keep going. As I said, the first point tonight, success will never satisfy. Let's jump to verse 21. Let's look at it again in case you forgot it. Jesus is looking at this young man who said, hey, I've done all this good since the beginning of time, to like bar mitzvah time. I've been good all this time. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I love this part. He looked at him, even though I can't see you guys, he just looked at him in a loving way. I don't even know what that means, but he's just like, Go, sell all of your possessions, give them to the poor, and then come and follow me. He loved him, and he said that. But this young man went away sad because he had great possessions. The second part that I want to talk about tonight is surrender. Surrender. What I want you to know is that surrender is where we actually find life. Why is surrender where we actually find life? Because Christ alone is where we can find our satisfaction. Christ alone can satisfy. For this man, wealth was the one thing that he was holding on to for life. His wealth, his accomplishments. It's crazy that the Gospels describe him in three different ways. It's said, a lot of scholars would say that this guy it would have been like known as a popular guy for him to be described in three different ways of such stature, rich, young, and ruler. Like a lot of people say that this guy must have really been known and there's actually guesses as to who it might have been, these people that were influential at the time. He's, he's this much, he has this much status, but wealth was his identity. And when something of this world becomes your identity, it becomes, it's what's called an idol. You hold on to it for your life. You keep it within your heart. And so my question for you tonight, and even my question for myself, is what do you put before God? What do you hold on to? Is your, is your identity in success and accomplishments and the things of this world, or is it in surrender? That's the question I have for every single one of us tonight. And let me just help you. If you're not sure where you land, success or surrender, which, which characterizes your life? If you're not sure wh- which one is you, here's the question I have for you tonight. Which are you most eager to tell other people about? Your success? Or your savior? The person who you've surrendered your life to? And I just want you to know, for me, I'm real quick to want to tell people how awesome I am and how awesome it is that I got to take my high school football team to the playoffs, right? But who I really am is in Christ. That's my identity. That's where I can find life. None of this stuff will satisfy. Success will never satisfy. And so Jesus said, These words, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So here's my deal. Go and let go of blank. Then come and follow me. Write this down if you're you're taking notes tonight. What's in the blank for you? What 
is in the blank for you? Where are you trying to find life? Are you trying, are, are you trying to find life in popularity? Are you trying to find life in success in academics? Are you trying to find life in your comparison to others? You're just better than others, so that's good enough. Are you trying to find life in, in, in what other people think about you, in the approval of man? Where are you finding life? What are you holding on to? Maybe even for some of us tonight, we're holding on to things that we shouldn't be holding on to that are sinful. We're like, I, yeah, I love Jesus. I just can't stop gossiping. It's, it'll be fine, right? It's gossip, or, or maybe it's, it's sexual sin, which is the sin that's most picked on. But seriously, we're like, I love Jesus, but I just, I just want to hold on to this, 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 this masturbation that just is self-pleasing. But like, but I love Jesus, but I'm holding on to this. It's that comfort. Maybe it's in food. We don't talk about that very often. It's just constantly selfishness. Like, that's what we're holding on to. These different things, I don't know what it is for you. Let me just tell you what it is for me. Every time I read this passage, it's something different, truly. And uh, I was praying recently, like, Lord, what, what is it now that I am trying to find life in? And in this season of life, for me, it's timeline and control. I just, I just want to hold on to my own timeline. If Jesus came up to me today, he'd say, Dale, go and let go of all your plans and all your timelines and come and follow me. And you know what? I don't really want to. I like, I like being in control. I like thinking that I deserve, uh, uh, you know, a lot of us kind of think that we're like, you know, I deserve like ring by spring. I deserve kids by, I don't know when, like February or like, I, I don't know, <laughs> like all these different things. You laugh, but like sincerely you get out and then, and, and you're like, but I deserve $100,000 within the first couple of years. I, I expect a million before I turn 30. These are expectations. These are timelines. These are things that we hold on to and control. And these are the things we're actually living for. And I'm just telling you that when I'm taking a hold of timeline and control, what it's actually doing is it's no longer a blessing. The things of this world are no longer a blessing. They become a barrier. The things that we hold on to, the successes, the wealth, the accomplishments, all these things, the control, whatever it is, whatever we're holding on to, it's no longer a blessing. It becomes a barrier and it keeps us from actually following Jesus. And for me here, this is like so practical. What it keeps me from doing is being bought into vertical ministries where God has called me to. That's crazy that I would let my timeline and my plans and all these different things get in the way of of what I've been called to do. And I don't know what it is for you. I truly don't. But there's probably something. There's probably something that we have a tendency to try to find life in. We try to hold on to. So what's in the blank for us? What would Jesus tell us to let go of? And I don't ask this question to guilt or shame you. I, in fact, just showed you that I have a tendency to do this as well. What I love about this passage, especially the passage in Mark, mentions that Jesus loving him 
points out the thing that is in the way. One of the most loving things that someone can do for us is show us the barriers in our lives to following Jesus. And that's what Jesus shows us. He's saying, hey, this might be hard, but I love you. You need to let go of all that stuff. It's who you are. It's loving for him to come and say this to the rich young ruler. It's loving for for me to say, hey, what's in the blank for every single one of us? Because that, whatever's in the blank, is what we need to let go of. And so, you're like, okay, seems pretty simple. But in the end, I think what the gospel writers are trying to say is pretty significant. I've already told you it's one of the few gospels or one of the few stories that's mentioned in all of the gospels. But what what I haven't told you yet is actually the thing that blew my mind as I was preparing for this. This wasn't like something I just knew or I realized as I was reading. This is something that somebody had to tell me as I was preparing for this. Here's the deal. The reason why I think this is so important for us to hear tonight is because of all the stories in the Bible where Jesus comes and says, hey, and says, hey, come and follow me. This is the only one that the person doesn't follow. So if you don't think success can be a barrier to actually following Jesus, then you're missing what the Bible is trying to tell us tonight. Success, wealth, accomplishments, even our own good, it's not good enough. We're still going to fall at the feet of Jesus and say, well, how do I actually get in? I think the Bible is trying to show us that those things of this world, we have to let go of. We have to let go of because Christ alone is the only one that can satisfy. And what I love just before this in the passage before, it's not going to be on your screen. If you have your Bibles in Mark 10, 15, it says this, truly I say to you, Listen, if you don't have your Bibles, it's because it's not on the screen. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So just before he tells this rich young man to let go of the things of this world, he had just said, anyone who does not receive me. Like the rich young man, the rich young ruler is holding on to something and he can't receive because he's holding on to the things of this world. I love that imagery. It's so helpful for a scrub like me. I'm like, oh, I can actually see that. That makes sense, what's going on. And Christ is the only one that can satisfy. And what I also love about this passage is that Jesus doesn't say, hey, you need to go clean up your life and then come and follow me. You need to go and get better and then come and follow me. And what I also love is Jesus doesn't come up and like do this sales pitch of like, hey, you need to give all your money to me. And then you need to come and follow me. No, he actually just says, hey, go and give it to the poor. Because what I think Jesus is showing us is that Jesus doesn't want our money. He wants our hearts. And that's kind of encouraging to me. Like what he cares more about is not the success, the accomplishments, and all the things of this world. What he cares about each and every one of us here is he cares about our hearts. He cares enough to come down from heaven and die for all of us. He doesn't care about your success, even your worldly accomplishments, all these different things. He just wants you to follow him. 
and he's worth it. This young man goes away sorrowful. The word, the Greek word is grieved. The next time we see the same Greek word, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, grieving for the sins of the world, soon to die on the cross for each and every one of us. And so what do we do about this tonight? As we're asking ourselves the question, is my life characterized by success or is my life characterized by surrender? Surrender to the Savior. So it's either success or our Savior. Which do I find my identity in? Where do I look for life? As we ask ourselves these questions, here are points of application. The first point tonight is to surrender to the Savior. Maybe for somebody tonight, you're like, man, I have been trying to find life in Christ plus being good or Christ plus being wealthy, Christ plus this. In the end, it's Christ alone. It's letting go of the extra, the plus, that control that you're holding on to is letting go. So the first is is surrender Surrender to the Savior. The second thing I would say for every single one of us, maybe for the believer tonight, is to die daily. That's what this is saying. Let go of the things of this world daily. Success, great. You can be as successful as you want as long as you're walking in obedience to Jesus. And you might be incredibly successful. But let's make sure that you're finding your life, your fulfillment, your satisfaction in Christ, in Christ alone. So the the second thing I said was it was die daily. Another way to say is deny yourself daily. Remind yourself of the gospel daily because if you don't remind yourself of your need for God's grace every single day, then you'll probably live for the things of this world and success. And I don't say die daily like as this like kind of just throw off the like off the cuff thing. I mean it sincerely like this is what I have to do every single day. And if I don't die to myself in the morning, then I'm going to live for myself through the entire stinking day. I'm the chief of it. So we must die daily, deny daily, whatever you want to say. And then the last thing I'd say is this. Keep a close watch. If you're a believer in the room and you're like, this guy, just like, this, this was such a simple sermon. I've heard this one before. I can't believe that you know, he would talk about this. This is, this is what I want you to know is that you need to keep a close watch. I told somebody today even, a lot of life is just relearning the basics. And the basics are, we can't find life in success. We can only find life in Christ as our Savior. And so I, I, I say the words, keep a close watch. It comes out of that passage from Paul to Timothy where he's saying, hey, train for godliness, which is like every man's like greatest, like one of the, the things that they memorize. Right? I'm training for godliness. This is amazing. And then just after that, uh, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you for your youth, but set the example in all these different ways, right? You know this passage. Don't let anyone look down on you. Just, you know, take, take the hill for Jesus. That's amazing. But what nobody usually reads is at the end of the passage, Paul tells Timothy, hey, keep a close watch on yourself and even on your hearers. Because we have a tendency to go back to the things of this world and a tendency to go back to success. And we have a tendency to find our identity like the rich young ruler and the things that other people call us. If you don't think it's real, like I had a friend today 
or yesterday I, I was in Dallas and my friend was, was and I were talking and I was like, yeah, so-and-so is dating so-and-so. And he literally, he says, well, you know, what's her name? I say the name and, she, and he goes, well, what is she? And what he was alluding to was what sorority was she in. <laughs> it's our identity. It's ingrained in us. And so just know that it, anything of this world, it just won't satisfy. The success will never satisfy. Christ alone is where we can find our satisfaction. And so in closing tonight, the pebble. Of course I forgot it. You're kidding. I'm a human. <laughs> The pebble that nobody really understands. Like, why is that the name of their sermon series? It doesn't make any sense. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I want you to think for a second on your semester. Maybe your entire year this year. And I want you to ask yourself the question. Success or surrender? Which one has it been? And the reason why I, I, I did this series on pebbles is not just for no reason. The, the reason is because I want us to, to leave here and put the pebble in our shoe, figuratively, maybe literally if you need it, to remind yourself tomorrow that you are not living for success. You are living in surrender to the Savior. It's where you find your identity. That's the pebble we're leaving with. And so I just want you to take a moment. I'm going to give you a moment to think about your semester. Think about your entire year. This is the last normal vertical of the year. So we're going to take, I'm going to give you 15 seconds. Okay, 30 seconds I'm going to give you to think about this question in your lives. Success or surrender? Which of those things characterizes your year? Usually, I end with a story, and I usually yell, get heated. Um, I'm not going to end with anything tonight, because I don't think it's too late to decide to live in surrender instead of for success in the things of this world. And truly, uh, the story I want for all of us is your story. That's what I want. I want for one day somebody to look back and tell the story of the young man and the young woman that had their life changed when they went to college. They decided to surrender their life to Jesus. They decided to go be the best photographer. They decided to be the best financial analyst. They decide to be the best 
entrepreneur for the glory of Jesus Christ as they lived in surrender. Surrender isn't just meant for missionaries and ministry people. No. It's meant for every single one of us. And the body of Christ living in full surrender can change the world. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for how sharp it is. Thank you for the reminder of the goodness of your grace and love and mercy for us. Jesus, thank you for being worth following. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for loving us enough to surrender your own life on our behalf. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to live in surrender. Help us to not go away sorry because we're really wealthy or we're really good at certain things or we really like holding on to other things. Or I pray that tonight we would be a people who let go of the things of this world, whether it's for the first time somebody says, I'm going to let go and I, I, I choose Jesus and, and, and I pray... That, that that person would, would believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that Jesus, that they would believe that Jesus died on the cross for them. Lord, I pray for that first step for somebody in here and, 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 and for the rest of us in here, Lord, I pray for, for the next step of obedience in our lives as, as already Christians. Lord, help us to not live like the world, Lord. Help us to not look like the world. Help us to live and surrender to you in obedience to you. Lord, I just ask for help for all of us, myself included. Jesus, help us and Jesus, use us. We pray this in